Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm lovely hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas. For Ghost Kissy, with myself, Peggy Peterson, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. We're going to be joined by Rocco Miller. He does a great job as a bracketologist over there at bracketeer.org, but on top of that, he does so much of the scheduling that we wind up seeing in college basketball, so we're just, right now, these last few days, taking a look at realignment, what it all means, both this year and moving forward, so we're going to be talking to him about what he expects this year from some of the teams that want to jump in conferences, like we wound up seeing some big moves in the Missouri Valley Conference with Loyola Chicago going from that conference over to the Atlantic 10, and as a result, Belmont, Murray State, they wind up entering into the Missouri Valley Conference, Bryant winds up heading over to the America East, and we're going to be sort of comparing these moves as compared to what we're going to be seeing with the California schools joining in on the Big Ten. And we're also going to be taking a look at just sort of the lay of the land when it comes to these West Coast schools as well. Because the fact 12 right now, falling on some tough times, I'm going to ask him what has all went wrong with regards to Pac-12 in a wide variety of ways and what the West Coast mid-majors, to put it just in an interesting way, you could call a conference like the Mountain West what you will. But we'll just, for this exercise, call them a mid-major. You can come at me at Judah one a little bit later on that. But how they've been able to do very good things, but what it could mean moving forward with regards to perhaps a few schools trying to play their way into a bigger conference as well. So there's a lot that we're going to be unpacking in that second segment. Just did not wind up seeing any transfer news once again on Monday. It was the 4th of July, so sort of figure that. And we're starting to get things cranked up with regards to conference previews. In about 48 hours, I'll be doing my Colonial Conference Preview. Conference USA, I'll probably try to do that a little bit more next week. I'll probably do the Ryzen League, actually, before Conference USA because Conference USA is going to be looking very different over the next 24 months. So that is one that I'm going to be taking a look at a little bit more before I wind up doing that. I'm trying to do these all with regards to low to mid-majors first in terms of alphabetical order, and then we wind up getting into the power conferences towards the end of this offseason. And if you do like appearing from this fine podcast, 
podcast goes to soup you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and if you ever have a question comment segment idea whatever you for this podcast you do have one of two ways to go for those in first one is my twitter timeline at judan underscore d1 keep in mind letters m they mean does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline otherwise find an apple podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated from there you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star view really didn't wind up getting in any twitter questions today and i certainly do hope that you all had a great fourth of july i spent mine talking a little bit of college basketball with rocco miller a man that truly loves this sport and we're going to be chatting with him next you're going to be hearing that right here on coast coast Hoops with myself greg spears and now a part of the easy family podcast If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. Always great to have this guest on the podcast as we do have Rocco Miller joining me. He does a great job over there running his own site, Bracketeer.org, does a great job as a bracketologist. But on top of that, a lot of the scheduling that we wind up seeing in college basketball, Rocco has a big hand to play in that. He works so much with administrators, so much with just teams in general being able to set up their schedule for the upcoming season. So he is a man that does great work just being able to give us the product that we love in college basketball and to be able to follow Rocco Miller on Twitter. That is not his name. Rocco Miller, then the number eight at the back half of that. And Rocco, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Hey, Greg, great to be back on. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to talking to you about some uh, some realignment today and some West Coast basketball. Oh, absolutely. As right now, the big happening thing in college basketball, as you know, it is the fact that we did wind up seeing the California schools, UCLA, USC, they are going to be joining the Big Ten in future years. And when it comes to just what we're going to be seeing in general, I do think that what we've got in terms of realignment is such an interesting topic because we're all focusing on that. We're all focusing on the new look Big 12 and the new look SEC for next season. But as you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of schools that want to change conferences this year. And do you think that there could be some takeaways from what we're going to be seeing this year with schools like Bryant going from the Northeast Conference to the America East, Southern Utah going to the WAC, the New Look Missouri Valley Conference with Loyola Chicago going to the Atlantic 10? list goes on and on. Do you think we could have some takeaways from this year that could help us turn it forward to when we do wind up getting these bigger moves? I think it would be a good indicator. I think historically what I've noticed is typically when you join a new league, it can be one extreme or the other. You know, a lot of teams sometimes, especially if they're moving up a level, can really struggle to adapt to that next tier just as a program and try to figure out what they need to do. Now, I think that the transfer portal and with the era we're in right now, I think a lot of that probably goes by the wayside. 
um, versus what we saw historically when we had other rounds of realignment going back to like 2014 with Nebraska joining the Big Ten and a bunch of other examples around that time. We're seeing more of a parallel move with all of the moves this year. Loyola Chicago goes from the top of the valley into the A-10. I'm pretty confident they'll still be a top five team in the A-10 this year. Just based on Davidson and St. Bonaventure probably taking a step back. A bunch of other teams trying to come up like George Mason and others and UMass. But I would put my, I'd hang my hat more on like a Loyola Chicago joining that league, even being right there with VCU, maybe for that third spot. I think everybody's in love with St. Louis and Dayton as the top two, but it would not shock me if Loyola Chicago was in the mix all the way till the end for the A-10 regular season championship. Then you look at a league like the Missouri Valley, where Belmont, Murray State, and UIC come in. Now, no offense to UIC, but Belmont and Murray State are used to competing for championships every year in the Ohio Valley. I don't see any reason why they can't do that this year. Now, I know they both lost quite a bit from very talented teams last year, but they're very well-organized programs. They're programs where you can just plug players in and expect to get 20 to 25 wins a year. And I think with the, with the Valley losing Loyola Chicago, you have Drake, you know, coming back with a probably be the favorite with, with enough guys coming back to that team and Bradley in Southern Illinois looking to make the jump. I think between those five, you're still going to, you're still going to see your Murray State, your Belmont right there in the mix, even though they're stepping up a league. You even go down to like the A Sun and the, and the Sun Belt and others. I don't think there's a drastic, you know, up or down, swing based on the league they're joining. I think programs are programs at this point with the transfer portal. And then they're going to basically just get sized up with their new competition, new opposition. That's probably where we're at because right now, again, with the portal, you can reload. And these moves have been much like the moves that are coming in future years, Greg. These moves have been well known a year, uh, well before this year in most cases. Yep. And when it comes to what we're seeing out there with like the California schools, if they were to join this year, I think that it would be something pretty drastic. But these are moves that are being thought out. These are moves that they're happening a few years in advance. So it's not like they're happening on the fly. We do wind up seeing that a little bit with the COVID pandemic, but schools like an NGIT wind up making a little bit of a move. That was one that was just made for geographical regions and geographical reasons only, as we do have Rocco Miller joining me right here on the podcast. And what I do think is so interesting about realignment as well, and it doesn't matter really what the league is, it feels like a lot of these schools that they wind up joining a new conference, they either vastly overachieve or they vastly underachieve. You really don't have much of an in-between when it comes to things. And I don't know what you think about this, but I think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at this moving forward as to how teams wind up performing in their first year because we have seen a few teams especially the teams that go from like the D2 level to the D1 level and they have instant success. Meanwhile, you've got other teams that they wind up going up a level. Like we wind up seeing this with Robert Morris joining the horizon league. And it just turned out to be a really bad run for it for them in your number one. It's something you got to continue to track. But I also think just in general college sports, you know, whether we're talking about Bellarmine, in the A-Sun, who's just been tremendous in their first two years, winning a share of the regular season title in year one, winning the A-Sun tournament in year two. I mean, there has not been a program that successful during their four-year transition, and they've already achieved that in just two short seasons. And they're still two years away as it stands from being eligible for an NCAA tournament. But I think what you have to look at with every program is, is there an alliance from the president and the chancellor of the university to the athletic department, to the coach, Is there a constant 
the cohesion on the moves they're going to make, the way they're going to improve their facilities, how they're going to enter D1, what kind of arena are they going to play in, what's their access to players, uh, what's the appeal to players. You know, all these things vary in shapes and sizes. You know, Louisville is an amazing basketball city. Bellarmine had the luxury of playing in Freedom Hall with all sorts of history in that building from Denny Crum and all the way back. And they've sold the hell out of that and done an incredible job. And they have everybody in, at that institution on board. Now, if you're Texas A&M Commerce or Southern Indiana, who, you know, you've had success at D2, that's what you need. to. That's the blueprint. Bell- Bellarmine's given the blueprint. Queens University is going to come in from a very beautiful part of Charlotte. I actually stayed at a hotel there two months ago, right next to the campus. They have a lot to sell. They have a new facility. So some of these teams come into D1 and they're instantly maybe 50 to 100 spots better than the teams that have been at the bottom of D1, like your Delaware State, like your South Carolina State, not to pick on any particular schools. Athletic departments are not entering D1 uh, without a game plan for the most part. And so these teams that are coming up, you really got to be careful with them because they've already got a head start on where they want to be. They're going to start getting players. Typically, they have every all their ducks in a row from the chancellor down to the president through the athletic department. And so I think that's what you need to look for for the majority of the non-power teams coming up. Now, for the power conference uh, realignment, you know, I think they'll have to continue to kind of measure and track that. You know, you'd have to imagine Houston, as long as Coach Sampson sticks around, they're going to be right there at the top of the Big 12, especially a Big 12 that doesn't have Texas or Oklahoma any longer. BYU is always going to be solid. You know, I don't know if they'll ever make it to a Houston level. We'll see. They certainly have the resources. Cincinnati's been there before. UCF's more of a mystery in basketball, but they should have a fair amount of resources, especially from football. It's very fascinating. It's something you have to continuously track, but I do think those are the keys. Hey, the key for Central Florida. If they can find another guy that's right around seven foot five, seven foot six, they very nearly knocked off Duke in the NCAA tournament with that. So you never know there. As we do have Rocco Miller, does a great job as the bracketeer and does a great job just with so many things in college basketball. He is joining me right here on the podcast. And with the news of the California schools joining the Big Ten, it leads into something that I've been taking a look at this offseason. I just have been disappointed in what we've seen out of the Pac-12 in general in terms of coaching moves, in terms of being able to hit the transfer portal. Meanwhile, when it comes to the mid-majors out there on the West Coast, I've been very surprised by this. I'm not sure what your thoughts have been in terms of what the Pac-12 has been doing, not just this offseason, but I would say just over the last 24 months across all sports. This isn't just exclusive to college basketball, but this involves football. This involves more of just your general Olympic sports as a whole, and I take a look at the Pac-12, and it's been relatively disappointing for them in comparison to a lot of the anti-air quotes here, other power conferences, and I feel like the LA schools leaving, it just sort of is the explanation point on what has been not necessarily the greatest moves at the top for the Pac-12. It's a loaded set of topics to give you the full answer, Greg, but I think it starts with you know, during the pandemic, the Pac-12 out of the Power 5, of course, most of the schools played anywhere from a 3 to 6 game schedule. Only 2 of the 12 teams went to a bowl game and let's be honest football for the most part subsidizes the rest of the athletic department at all 12 of these schools i do think ucla basketball turns a profit i think arizona basketball turns a profit and perhaps one or two others in basketball but in general football uh you know is funding the athletic department there's a spending problem in college athletics let's be very real you know athletic director and anybody else that comes on your program will tell you it's a budget issue but 
quite frankly, it's a spending issue. And when you overspend and you don't have that money coming back to you in a, in a given fiscal year, you're going to have shortfalls. And quite honestly, you know, places like University of Washington and others couldn't afford to pay the buyout in the last year or two of a Coach Hopkins. That is an actual issue the school had. And then, you know, at Washington specifically, they actually bought out the football coach last year during the same fiscal year. So at that point, I think Hopkins' job became a lot more safe just due to the fact that that was a lot of money for the school to put up to just get out of the uh, the Jimmy Lake football contract, trying to do their two biggest, highest paid employees in the uh, entire university in the same school year. Just didn't make a lot of sense coming off of the, the pandemic. Again, no other Power 5 league had the problems with getting football games played during that 2020 season. It was basically a wasted year. No fans in the stadium for those games either. There was a lot going on with that. In general, the Pac-12, more than any other league, tries to be like and actually has academic standards at a lot of the schools similar to like an Ivy League or a Patriot League. So that starts to explain some of the transfer portal issues. A lot of kids that may want to come to a Stanford or a Cal can't get into a Stanford or a Cal and they still have the value system in place where that matters and they really just can't take the kid. So that's a piece of it that will always be there at certain institutions. You go through the coaches, you asked about the coaches. I think the only one that really surprised me was Stanford. You know, I think Jared Hass has had six cracks at it, has never gotten this team to the NCAAs. They've certainly got the money and resources to go find another coach and, and buy out the rest of his contract. You know, maybe there were some behind-the-scenes whispers that Ingram would come back. That's obviously huge news. Michael Jones actually does transfer over as a grad transfer from Davidson. That's a huge pickup for them. So perhaps if they had some of that stuff in the works uh, during the time of the coaching decision, that could have saved Hass's job. That's that's really the only one I can't explain. With Washington, it was the money deal. With Arizona State, you know, I think Bobby Hurley does enter the season on the hot seat. I just think if you look at it, he's been there seven years and he's brought him to three NCAA tournaments. If you look at Arizona State history, going three out of seven in the NCAAs is a good coach. It's all about performance versus expectations. And maybe Arizona State fans expected more out of Hurley because he is a famous person for, you know, from his whole career. But that's gotten him enough leash, I think, for year eight. We'll see how this year goes, but it wasn't enough for them to move on. Uh, Wayne Tinkle had the Elite Eight run at Oregon State the year before last year. That got him a crazy amount of money in extension. The buyout was just simply too big, even though they had an abysmal season to fire him this year. Now, if it happens again, he's probably gone next year. And then the only other ones I could see is California with Coach Fox. Coach Fox was brought in to rebuild the program. There's very low expectations. The school's saving money by having Coach Fox. So, again, I think he gets at least one more year to see if they can build anything from what he's had for the last three years. I really don't see any of the other coaches being on the hot seat at this point besides those. And I do think that one thing that I've got to bring up as well is that I wound up trying to get reservations over there at Dayton for a nice restaurant and a hotel in mid-March. I was told that the only way I could is if I was under the Bobby Hurley block because he apparently has become such a member there because he has found himself there so many times. It has been insane to take a look at that. Obviously, last year, not so much, but... I do take a look at Arizona State and they did a great job of the transfer portal. So I do think that things are going to be on the up and up there. And when it comes to what we're going to be seeing in future years out there at the Pac-12 as well, because we're talking about realignment, when the Big 12 wound up losing Texas and Oklahoma, they wound up being able to bring in the schools that we mentioned a little bit earlier, a Houston, a lot of the American schools. And I talked about this just very briefly, but I'm going to touch upon it once again. I mentioned that I've been very surprised and not necessarily enamored by what the Pac-12 has done. 
I've been very impressed by what the mid-majors out there in the West Coast have been able to do. A lot of these Mountain West schools, they've done a great job of being able to hit the transfer portal. Heck, the Big West, take a look at a lot of those schools, even in the big sky, Sacramento State, a team out there in the state of California. They've done a tremendous job being able to make moves, and I think that that's going to be something moving forward to take a look at as well, because as we know, when it comes to all those conference realignment, there is a big, giant ripple effect that happens with all of it, and you got to feel like there's going to be a lot of these mid-major schools out there on the West Coast that you got to feel like they're probably going to want to be noticed and they might be trying to vie for a spot to be able to move up. Yeah, that would be interesting, Greg. I mean, you know, unfortunately for basketball, like this is all driven by football and money for the most part, at least 90% of it. So we're at football's mercy. The pack right now is in a situation, uncharted waters in the last century, where they literally have to go out and find schools to join on top of the 10 that are still left in order to survive. I really don't think they'll stick with the 10 because either, you know, the quartet down in the Southwest and the mountains will join the Big 12 or or not. But it's only a matter of time before the, some of these schools get eaten more or the Pac-12's got to eat or the Pac-10 now has got to eat. So that's going to how. And then, of course, everything that happens at the top has a ripple down effect. Unfortunately, schools like Oregon State and Washington State are probably going to land in a league at some point with, Mountain West type teams because that's going to be what's geographically left. And it's all, again, driven by football. So we'll have to see how that plays out. The West Coast Conference is a very interesting one because it's a collection of all private schools uh, driven by religion. And so it's also driven by the amount of money Gonzaga brings to ESPN. Let's be quite honest. As long as Gonzaga stays, we all know BYU leaves after this year. Some of the other programs are really, really coming up. There is a lot of money in the league now. Hopefully the nation sees that. You know, San Diego is able to convince Steve Lavin to come back to coaching with good money. Loyola Marymount's put a ton of money into trying to turn it around. They haven't got there yet, but they put a lot of money in it. San Francisco's already turned it around. They're trying to improve upon that. St. Mary's is an awesome program. I think the best example is at Portland. What Portland was able to do under Shante Lagans in year one shows how fast it can turn around with good resources and a good coach and a program that's ready to to turn it around. That continues to happen here in the WCC. I hope they stick together because it is all predicated on Gonzaga being in the league. If Gonzaga leaves, you know, all these schools are going to be hard-pressed to have a anywhere near the kind of television contract they have right now. I think right now the WCC's television deal with ESPN is somewhere around $1.5 over a long period of time. And every year they're getting more and more big chunks of money to go after, you know, better resources, better coaches. That gets them better players. The Mountain West, they're on rocky times too because if the pack does survive, it almost certainly has to take San Diego State because there is no Southern California pack team left. That means even if they poach a couple Big 12 schools, San Diego State's got to be part of that equation. It's just there's no other option. And that hurts the Mountain West. That's been the most stable program basketball-wise, probably maybe even football-wise, in the Mountain West. And we'll see if Boise State comes too. So if you take those two away from the Mountain West, they're on, you know, uncertain ground at that point. So there's so much to watch out for. And then, you know, we'll see if the Big West, if it's school like UC Santa Barbara or somebody like that gets moved over. Again, without football, I don't see the Mountain West being interested, but there's just a lot to uh, pay attention to out here. Oh, yes. And speaking of football, you got to feel like Fresno State going to be in that mix as well, a team that you're in and you're out. They typically find themselves towards that top 25. And then you also mentioned what we've been seeing out there in the West Coast Conference. They wound up having a first-round pick at Jalen Williams come from Santa Clara, too. So, I mean, that just speaks to 
how great that has been. And speaking of great, that is exactly what Rocco Miller is. Rocco, you do absolutely amazing work taking a look at everything college basketball. I know that it's interesting times right now. Typically, in the middle of July, we're getting all set for an upcoming college basketball season. We're taking a look at all these guys reacting to the transfers and trying to turn it forward. Now we're taking a look at what we might be wind up get, getting in the future. And we've got a lot of moves that wind up happening this year as well in terms of realignment. I know that you've been, been doing a great job of being able to navigate th- through those. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate that. You do a fantastic job yourself. You can follow me on Twitter. Rocco Miller 8 is my handle. Tons of schedule updates going on uh, all off season long. So if you're curious on what the 22-23 docket's going to look like, you can also come over to my website, bracketsier.org, where slowly but surely all the conference pages are being rolled out. Right now, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC are live. The ACC will be posted here very shortly, so look for an announcement on that. With the schedule still being filled out, we've only had eight released so far, I believe. That means 350 plus are still out there. I'm working very hard with programs on trying to put the best matchups together. That's really what I strive for. The reason I even get involved with scheduling is I want matchups to happen that in a lot of years don't. So every year, hopefully we're getting a couple extra just due to some efforts and connecting people. And at the end of the day, it's just, you know, building relationships with people, which is a fun process to be a part of. I'm fortunate for that. So thanks again for having me on, Greg. Appreciate it. Rocco Miller does absolutely amazing work in the college basketball realm. And every single time he joins his podcast, just is able to do a great job of being able to lend so much insight as to what's going on with the game. Just seeing things that we might not necessarily pick up upon, just being able to take a look at the X's and O's, take a look at the normal gameplay, a lot of the behind-the-scenes work. Rocco Dell's quite a bit of it, and he is a man that is just so tied into the game of basketball and a great resource for anyone that loves this sport. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family a Podcast. A little bit of shorter podcast today just because we didn't see a lot of news and notes in college basketball over the last 48 hours, but going to be continuing my look at conference previews. We're going to have the Colonial up in the next few days, so working on that and working on previewing all of these conferences. We've got over 361 teams, and I'm going to do a deep dive on every single one of them, so if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you've heard this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNRS41. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline, otherwise find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from their year, but find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find the five star review coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the offseason news and notes of college basketball, along with conference previews. And then once we get in season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I'll catch you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell to saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. And it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum Status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. 
But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. 